I think the greatest challenge is making your children as a father a priority. Prioritizing the relationship with your child over vocation, over their hobbies, things that you're involved with is the greatest challenge, I think. Hi, everyone. This is Ross, your host of Bear Crawl with Dads. So true confession, I'm completely leveraging this podcast for personal and selfish reasons. You see, not too long ago, I became a dad for the very first time, but with that, an older dad. So the one thing that I know so far is that this bear crawl as a dad is not meant to be done alone. We truly need each other. So may this podcast be that for you. So come along and let's bear crawl together. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining another episode here of Bear Crawl with Dads. And it truly is my honor to have as one of my guests a long, long time friend of mine, probably dating back to the spring of 90, I believe, my senior year in New Orleans, Joel. Joel V, welcome. Thank you, Ross. So, man, Joel, we go quite a way back. So this is really, really meaningful for you to just to be willing to to give me some advice <laughs> on this. Uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of late to the dad party here. And so, Joel, we're just wanting to visit with you and just to be able to share with me, but also to share with the audience. Just, man, what is it like being a dad, the good, the bad, the ugly? And as yeah. you know, I'm leveraging this podcast to take away little nuggets from those that have gone before me on how I can be a, a, a good dad. But real quick, before I pepper you with some questions, give you some perspective a little bit of kind of what's happening in in our environment right now. When it comes to men, not specifically initially dads, but I feel like there is a correlation. But only 40% of men go to college. Typically, these mass shootings, unfortunately, are, are male crimes. Children growing up without a father are two times as likely to commit suicide. Children of fatherless households are two times more likely to drop out of school. So those are just a, not to start off with such a dire stats, but a little bit to open up our show to say the role that dads play in the lives of their children and how important they are, that men are, that dads are. And so just you as a dad, how important you are to your kids. So may this be a blessing for anybody that's listening out there. So I just want to start off with that, open up our, our show a little bit. So Joel, tell us the audience a little bit about you and who are you? Where'd you grow up and all that kind of good stuff? Well, I'm a native Texan, fifth generation Texan. Can I get a, we, can I get an amen? Yeah, we, uh, Ross and I were undergraduate together in Waco, Baylor University. And I uh, lived in a lot of different places and mm-hmm. traveled in pretty extensively for a number of years. Currently live in the Midwest for mm-hmm. the last 16, 17 years, Indianapolis, Indiana. And father of two kids. So there that's you go. The, the joy of why I love, you know, what dad doesn't like talking, bragging about their kids, right? And so I've been a godly father for nearly 20 years now. I've got a 20-year-old. He turns 20 here in just a few weeks. Uh-huh. And a 17-year-old. Great to be with you. Absolutely. Well, brag about your kids. Tell us a little bit. I mean, just what are they? You mentioned their age. What are their interests? What do they do? What are they like? So I'm a sophomore in college at North Park University in Chicago. Okay. His name is Zaid Vestal. I've just been a great, great young man seeing grow and develop. He started playing football at first grade and called it his armor. 
and played all the way through high school and was pretty recruited here in the region to play in college. And he mm-hmm. to, went to Chicago to play there football. He, he's not playing anymore. He decided that football in the collegiate level, he didn't want to be married to it. Wow. The yeah. That he was and just flourishing in every in way possible that you can imagine spiritually, academically, relationally, and just it's a joy to, to see him growing up and becoming the young man that he is. And then I have a daughter of 17, a six one middle blocker. Six one. Lives and breathes and loves the game of volleyball. And so that's been a great connection for us quite a few years and travel mm-hmm. club and school and particularly being able to travel around the country to different tournaments and uh, growing, flourishing in a lot of ways of just, it's really inspiring to me as her father, as you have a relationship with a son and a daughter, you know, there, there's different dynamics there. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit about them. That's awesome. I guess I'll need to follow their, both of their athletic journeys and kind of be on the front row, if you will. And, and how fun is that? What worlds that's opened up to you? sure right to see them take those various paths with the sports yeah it's very inspirational because i was not a i did play sports a little bit growing up through mm-hmm. middle, a little in high school but not to this level of in, in a high school level or looking into collegiate level and it's really inspiring it's really really fun did you find yourself or did you see other that's a stereotype but like other dads kind of living through their kids vicariously you know when the kids are really doing well you know, whether it's at Little League or did you see a little bit of that or was, or was that hard for you or did you see that? Oh yeah. And I, and definitely from the youngest of age, even mm-hmm. through the collegiate level of particularly a lot of maybe dads who were very driven athletically and maybe pushing, putting pressure on their kids to perform. Right. And seeing kids, yeah, just unrealistic expectations and knowing some, even some students of, of, uh, that I observed, there were teammates who, it was not a positive experience. So did you battle that yourself or you kept it in check? I, I know like here in Texas, right? Football's king and just, I'm not there yet. I mean, again, maybe my son won't even want to have the interest to go on this, that's fine. But I'm saying if he is, you know, I'm just wondering what that's going to be like, you know, where you're keeping up the Joneses and you're seeing, I mean, I, I, I've been in the world of education now for, you know, closing it on 20 years. And so just, I have seen it. I've coached uh, basketball, I've coached volleyball, I've coached uh, track and field, I've coached baseball and just seeing the intensity that it yeah. can be from dads and the pressure and getting the outside training or, you, you know, just, Hiring a training coach for a kid who's like in third grade, you know, in nutrition. Like, are you serious? You know, so, but also, dude, I think it's interesting though. So many people aspire to play at the college level and, and your son got a taste of it. At least he got to live a little bit of that because so many people don't even have that chance. So I think that's pretty neat for him. So Joel, what are you doing now? Your passions, your line of work or? I'm entrepreneur at heart and mm-hmm. like, like, like starting things. And so right now I give leadership to a nonprofit here in the city that okay. we work with refugee immigrants. And mm. I see a lot of young people. We work with about, our reach right now is over about 120 students who mm. a lot are without fathers. In really? The refugee community. Yeah. A lot of fathers who were killed in war or have died for whatever reason. And so this issue is close to me with seeing kind of your statistics that you stated there earlier. And also I'm a business owner. I do have several businesses that I have here in Indianapolis. 
Yeah, it's fun. Wow. So, you know, it, it, I guess we, we'll come back to some other questions, but can we dig into that a little bit as far as, number one, I'm just excited to get to visit with you because you're a friend and just a, what an excuse to have a podcast to talk to a friend. You're also too getting a little bit of a glimpse that I think maybe most of us or the most of the listeners don't. You're on the front row of refugees. And again, the stats like you just mentioned that you're seeing that. What are you seeing maybe as a byproduct of maybe some, of some children or some kids not having a father. Are you seeing anything with these refugees that can relate to, say, those that are here in the States that grew up here? Oh, yeah. I mean, with in the context of our conversation, there's a lot of kids who, you know, without fathers present that you tend to be more vulnerable to, you know, struggle and more vulnerable to, you know, we're having kids in our community who are experiencing with substances and who are getting in trouble with law and getting arrested and this kind of thing. And then these are the teenage years and you see kids that are younger and the toddler elementary years have behavioral issues and no boundaries. And so it's a great burden for me to get to know a lot of these families and really try to create different mentoring connections within the city of both men and women, but particularly men who can act as a, you know, a mentor relationship with a lot of these young men. And, yeah. you know, I, I had a therapist tell me one time years ago that a child gets their God image uh, by the time that they are in kindergarten based on their relationship or no relationships with their earthly father. So say that again. So a child subconsciously, this is not a conscious thing, but they subconsciously get their God image their image of God, of who God is, or understanding of God, it begins as they reach the age of kindergarten based on the relationship with their earthly father. Interesting. And I've never so, heard that. Yeah, it's really, that's always really stuck with me. And, uh, you know, you, you, you see children who don't have a relationship with their father, you, you have that role is absent and the need there to, to be present, to have people involved in their lives. Wow, that's fascinating. I've never heard that. I wanted to dig deeper on that on my own journey. Glad you brought that up. That's fascinating. And so with that, you know, because I think there could be some parallels, not only with, with what you're seeing, and you, you kind of touched on it. So I kind of want to circle back. You mentioned mentoring. So because I was going to say, how do you, with your, your nonprofit of working with refugees, and you just mentioned such a lack of fathers and at a young age, Again, like you said, not knowing boundaries and maybe older kids who've never had those boundaries, then you start, like you said, start dabbling in substance abuse or whether it's sexual promiscuity to fill that hole. How have you been combating that? How have you been addressing that specifically to fill that whole uh, role of a father in your ministry? Well, I think it's the greatest need is, I think it's Theodore Roosevelt, who phrase you probably heard before, that people really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. And... I think is even with some of the questions you gave even before this podcast, the context of my role as a father and to my kids, but even to kids that don't have father figures or, you know, fathers in their life, that there's no one there to care for them. And we actually, even this last month, we've been having a, a five-year-old boy stay with my wife and I, who doesn't have a father and he has a brother and there's different fathers related that with his, uh, they're, they're, they're originally from Africa and it's been so beautiful with him staying in our home and, and helping the, his mom who has to work every night and is having a hard time because his, his older brother has been in the hospital. And I think in that 
answering your question is really how do we care for, and, and we care by being present, uh, just being there. Probably the greatest role that any father can have or a mentoring relationship with a child who doesn't have a father and knowing that your presence speaks more than what you say. So I think that's what we're trying to advocate, try to fan a flame in the mentoring kind of process that we're trying to develop here with, with my work, if you will. Yeah. So it's twofold. If you are a, a father who has children, the message or the word of encouragement is to be present. Just try to be present, right? For those children out there that don't have a father, the prayer and the hope is that there's mentors who can step in to be present, to show these kids that you have value. I see you. Is that fair? Yeah. Presence speaks louder than any words. Yeah. So let's reflect on your father. How did he show that presence to you? What did that look like? Well, my father is still very, my father is alive and he's 78 now, I believe, and maybe almost 79 and, and uh, has been a really important figure. My father was a pastor, preacher, leader, and kind of a lot of some circles within the church Baptist tradition. And as a young boy, I, I remember, you know, not understanding things when you have maybe a father in a role of a position of, a, of authority or a power, if you will, of a church. If you know churches in Texas culture of kind of, you know, there's, I remember my father had this, this phone back in the seventies. Yeah. I swear I thought it was like a phone to, to the moon or, you know, to some spaceship or something, but it was basically an old school phone that you basically dictated letters, but I never understood what it was because he would talk in it uh -huh. and I would sit on his lap and I just remember sitting in this office and, I, you know, the office was pretty, you know, could have been the size of 50,000 square foot room. You know, and, and, you know, as a little boy, and I just was remembering that memory, but despite that he was present and since all the years since that still has, uh, you know, embodies that we're friends, you know, we talk often and, and have a great relationship. That is awesome. What a tribute to your father. Okay. So just, you, just some memories of your dad just being present throughout and still is to, to this day. But what would you tell dads out there maybe who are beating them, themselves up for not maybe being present or I've been, I've been estranged from my, estranged from my child or do you encourage a dad out there listening? I would say that, I mean, kids are resilient and I, I think being aware of that, if, there, if you have a sense of awareness that, hey, I maybe not as been as present as I should be, that I've been, you know, too ambitious in my career, too ambitious in, you know, making money and go on the corporate ladder or whatever pursuit you're doing. Kids know that your actions, and, and maybe even you just say that to your, your son, your daughter, mm -hmm. Hey, I'm, I know I haven't been present with you and I've been preoccupied and let, let, let's hit reset here and try to carve out times, you know, to be together. And what that looks like, if you have, you know, a first grader looks different than if you have a sophomore in high school, but yet you right. can be honest. And I think kids really, uh, with with honesty and parenting. I've noticed that in my own journey, and okay. particularly as my kids have gotten older, uh -huh. that when you're honest with, you know, you know, don't have this myth of perfection, this myth of, I'm going to be this, there's no such thing as a perfect father, perfect parent, but yet being honest about um, your struggle, your fear of being a father, your failure at times you felt like, 
of course, that's done, to, you know, age appropriately, of course. But I think that's maybe a few thoughts where to begin. I think that's excellent, Joel. And I think, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that's, yeah, I think that's so awesome is just to be real right now. I granted, I've, I've got a little one, so I'm not there yet, but now that I am a dad, it's humbling job description of, oh my gosh, you know, this is huge. Where do I go? What do I do? You know? And I'm sure like you having a 20 year old now and a 17 year old daughter, you, you blink and you're like, fast forward, there's, they're 20. They're in college. Right. I mean, has the time just flown by for you? Oh, absolutely. You know, and and I was thinking about this too. I was going through some journaling notes, even before we, you and I were talking here. And you probably heard, uh, I can't remember exactly. There was like four or five C's of stages of, of parenting. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, like first it's coddle, you coddle them and then you command them. Then you control them. Then you coach them. Maybe you counsel them as well, you know, four or five there, give or take, but it's like, there, there are these stages, you know, that, that each of those stages is different and really, you know, each child is different, you know, what, how those stages look like. Being a dad to my son is different than it's been to my daughter. Part of my story too is when uh, my daughter was five, my son was eight, I went through divorce with her mother and been remarried here for about eight years. And so we have a blended family reality. And, and then seeing my kids work through that grief, that loss, that, that pain, and, and still working through it, you know, there's, you know, myth and closure, you know, there's not necessarily something when you, a lot of the joy has been both seeing my kids work through that and being and going through healing through that loss of the divorce between their mom and I. So that kind of opens up a lot there, I know, but it it's important. And I think as your kids are older to share and, and to, to work through that process with them. Well, and that's transparency to, you know, to the listeners too, you know, my wife and I married four years ago and she was a single mom. And so I married into having a, just an amazing stepdaughter. I'm right there with you as far as a little, to some degree, you know, having a blended family, walking that road of like, you know, my stepdaughter's not technically my daughter. She has a very active dad, which we're thankful for. And so all there's peace in the land there, which I get thankful for, but how you know, how so much I have to tap on the brakes a little bit. Cause I'm like, well, I'm her dad, you know, like I can't, I feel like maybe I'm stepping over line you know, of something, but that's interesting. Cause I wonder too, is like you said, it, being age appropriate, like how much do you share? How much do you, are you vulnerable? How much are they mentally, can they handle? Maybe you're at that stage now with your oldest, he's 20, but is it more of that counselor type of a feeling or, or relationship, you know? So I'm, I'm curious, cause I know one time my dad, you know, I think maybe generally men tend to, we want to fix things. You know, I know my dad wants to fix things. Well, here's a problem. Let's fix it. You know, I remember one time, one of the way that we, we connect is going and grabbing barbecue, Texas barbecue, you know, driving all over the state and driving different barbecue joints. And so our favorite place, and I'm going to plug it because if I can get them some kind of discount, that'd be awesome. But, um, <laughs> Louie Miller and Taylor is to me the best, the best brisket in all of Texas. You're we making me jealous, man. Cause I, I can't, there's not good brisket I know. I know. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a whole other podcast, but we were sitting at Louis Miller's there in Taylor and, and dad, we were, I was share, just sharing something with them and that was kind of vulnerable with my dad. And he a little, went in a little bit to that, fix it. Hey, dad, I just need you to listen. I said, yeah. I just, I just need to be able to process it. And he, yeah. he received it. He did. He did. He's like, you're right. 
you know, and I said, I don't, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to listen. Yeah. And he did. Well, I think for the listeners too, the, the stage is there. You may want to Google that because there's different, you know, research on that with your, with your son right now, it's all about coddling them and making them secure and sleep and feed and, and all they do. And then, you know, as they get older, you command, you control everything they do, where they sleep, if they have a sleepover, what birthday parties they go to, all that sort of thing. But it, as they get older, usually in that tween teen, you know, you begin the transitions to coaching because they're making, you're becoming independent. They're making choices on their own. And of course, through high school and then out of college, it's that the way for the rest of your life. And even too, I mean, I think I'm 50 years old and I mean, I still look to my father as a coach, as a counselor, you know, and yeah. decisions. And because being a dad, you really need wisdom. You need dis- you need discernment of, of what to say to your kids and what to not say. And okay, is this requiring me to be more tender right now in this moment or to be a little bit more tough, you know, and speak the truth. And, you know, scripture says, speak the truth in love. That tension, there's a balance there, you know, because sometimes people are like, well, just speak the truth, speak the truth, speak the truth. And the other end of the spectrum, it's just love, 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 and don't speak the truth. But, you know, you need wisdom and discernment on how to do that as a dad. And that's never ends. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I pre, gosh, you, Got some good stuff, JV. But with that, like, can't remember the book. And I need to find this because I think it'd be worth going that down that road. But there's a time and a place when a girl needs her father to step in mm. and a time when, a, when the dad needs to back off. And same for a young man, right? I can't remember it, but you were also too where the husband and wife need to realize that too. But there's a time when the father really meet the, there's really that, cause I, you know, I think generally girls tend to, you know, be the apple of their father's eye. Right. And mm-hmm. there's maybe a special bond between father and daughter. I don't know what that's like. Cause I don't have a daughter per se. I have a stepdaughter, but, but I think there's a special connection with the son, mother, you know, like a, a mama's boy. But if you, what do you see as far as your journey with your two children, a boy, a girl, have you seen that, that rhythm of, Okay, daddy needs to step in right now or back off or. Yeah, absolutely does. And it's, it's hard to, you know, again, I think go back to the stages of, of fathering, what that looked like, you know, different ages and stages that they've been in. But I tell you what it is now too, where my daughter is 17 and, you know, and so there's high school and there's boys and there's dating and there's, you know, other girls are getting dates and she's yeah. not or other boys yeah. pursuing her or what, you know. And so as, and so what I tell her, if you have a daughter, you know, sweetie, it's, it's better to have no boyfriend, the, the wrong boyfriend, <laughs> because there's some of these guys that I observe and see that I don't want near my daughter, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep. And so that's one little example of kind of where, where I'm at now. And that's been some really great conversation. Cool you know, in that context. Well, I would say one last about my father. I got to brag about my dad. What he would do is he, you know, being like a lot of dads worked a lot. I had a very high profile job in New Orleans. But what I love is the fact, talking about being present, one of his rituals was he would take, I have two older sisters, so there's three of us. He, one night he would take, it would be my oldest sister's date. So it'd be my dad and my oldest sister. They would go out on a date and he would open up the door he would, you know, pull the chair back at dinner because he wanted to show her respect and what it was like to, to be honored and be respected. And so basically hold a, a baseline, you know, don't accept less, you know, 
So I thought that was pretty cool. So for any dads out there, you know, maybe make it a, create a date night, you know, with your kids, just that one-on-one time. It's like, wherever you want to go eat, whatever you're going to do, this is all about you. You know, so I thought that was pretty neat. When it comes to your kids, I think there's power of ritual. You know, I know in the Jewish traditions, there's something powerful about the bar mitzvah, the bat mitzvah. You know, you're, you're becoming an adult at 13. You know, there's a community, not only our family, but there's a community that supports you, surrounds you. Are there any rites of passage or anything that you've done with your kids or conversation that you've had with your kids? Yeah, great question. I, there's actually a great lot of literature out there for if you for father sons. If you have a son of a book that I worked through several years ago with Zay when he was getting into high school, I think it's called the Man Maker Project. It's a guy named Chris Bruno Man Maker Project. Boys are born, men are made. Uh, okay, got a Colorado. And I can, you know, maybe send you the title if you want to put it on your show notes or whatever. But uh, we did it with a, a group of us and we actually, that group didn't last. There was a group of father sons of us that got together. Oh, wow. Uh, but some, some people moved in the boat. Uh, my son and I did it together. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really, it was very creative. I adapted and did some of my own stuff with them and did some trips together. Really? Talked to, like you spent like a month on the theme of say integrity and then or, you know, leadership. And then you, there's movies suggested where you can watch a film on that topic and take a trip and maybe look, seek out someone on that topic to spend time with your son. And uh, so we, we actually did that. It was a real meaningful experience. And, oh, wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Send me that information because I love to, to check that out. One of my guests was my friend Todd out of, uh, you, you know, from the college days. He lives okay. in, in Little Rock and he, there's a, ch- a church that he's a part of. And out of that church, there were some guys a long time ago that wrote a book called The Raised in a Modern Day Night. Mm. And the stages of becoming a knight and, and kind of being a mentor and studying the craft. But again, there's a time when you're knighted, you know, into the brotherhood type thing and kind of getting back to, again, to the bar mitzvah type of a mentality. And I just love that tradition. And I'm really curious about all that of just rituals or, but there's a lot out there, and the one you just mentioned, I'm sure, is good as well. Sometimes it's good maybe do two or three and adapt or... Yeah, again, intentional presence, like you mentioned earlier. Reflected on your dad, what is there one piece of advice that your dad always would come back to with you or one thing, a takeaway from your dad that maybe you've passed on to your kids? Yeah, I think it's this, this, the theme we've just been talking about. It's not so much the specificity of what he said, but it, he, it was just a, he embodied, I think for me that I want to embody for my kids, what Parker Palmer, you know, the Quaker writer who I've really enjoyed him through the years. And he talks about how your role matches your soul, whatever that role is. And so the role is your, is a dad. For my father, it was that, that, that he, he embodied integrity, he embodied sacrificial love, he, he embodied unconditional love without having to say anything. And then again, it's back to that Theodore Roosevelt quote that I mentioned earlier, you know, the people really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So, so I think for me, that was it. That I think as I was young too, dad would always say things like, I remember like, I, you know, you're not going to know how much I love you until you're a father. You know, it's telling those things like, oh, okay, whatever, dad. Yeah, okay, whatever, you know, let's go, you know, let's get something to eat or, you know. But that is so true and profound because really I think is, is you, until you become a father, 
you don't understand a lot of that. And so and even looking back on those pinnacle, not, not so much the pinnacle moments on the mountain, but those defining moments in the gutter for me and my journey, because we all have those defining moments in the gutter that are sure. the hardship and the struggle. Right. Whatever it is for us, we all have that because that's part of the human experience. I know I could call my dad and it's not, we didn't maybe even live in the same city or the same state or the same, even part of, in the same country, <laughs> but I know he was accessible and available. And then again, it kind of goes back to those early childhood years. Although I, you know, I saw him as an important person in, in his vocation, but yet he was always accessible. Yeah. So I think, I think it is, I think it's back to that accessibility and always reminding your kid that you love them and not being and, and my dad was never, he was never hesitant to just tell me he loved me and get on his knees when I was a little kid or even as a grown man and, you know, telling me he loved me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that was, as I look back, those are the things that I want my kids to say about me. Yeah. Just your love for me, your unconditional love. Right. Right. Yeah. It really is a sacrificial love. You know, now that like, you're right. I mean, when your dad said, you're never going to know until you become a father, you know? Yeah. And it's true for me. It was a game changer, you know, seeing, just being able to witness my son born, undescribable. How much you can love something so much, you know? You've talked about how your daughter and your son have been very blessed with just athletic ability and they really are in their own right, have become very, they've excelled in, in both their sports to such a degree that one of your children has gone to the next level and in many universities are, are looking at your daughter for volleyball. So what would you tell dads of student athletes out there as a word of encouragement? Yeah. So this whole journey has been such a surprise for me in being a father to two exceptional athletes who have been driven and who have been gifted in ways that I never was at this age. And, and as I mentioned, and as you just asked the question is my son was played football through high school and was recruited about by about 15 schools, mostly in the Midwest. And my daughter now is a junior in high school and recruited by other D, you know, with some D1 schools currently around the country, actually, from California to, to Texas. And, and it's been so amazing and interesting and surprising altogether, mixture of emotion of observing and being in a relationship through the kids' sports with other dads. Mm-hmm. Now, when, when they're, they're in first, second, third grade, it's all fun. You know, a lot, every kid plays soccer and baseball and little league and softball and basketball and that sort of thing. I mean, not mm-hmm. every kid does, but I mean, it's so much a part of kids. You know, there's so much developmental benefits for any kid playing sports and, you know, getting along with other people, doing things together. And, but when you move into in high school level, it's been sometimes discouraging and disillusioning observing other dads living vicariously through their son or daughter, putting unrealistic pressure on them, seeing girls breaking down and cry, seeing boys breaking down and cry, and knowing some of the backstory with that, it's, it's not good with fathers that perhaps are loving conditionally, not mm-hmm. unconditionally. You know, maybe fathers seeing their kid as a way for that Bentley and that mansion and that million dollar, you know, contract one day and all those kind of expectations that you, that you do see. 
one of the things I've told both my kids is, you know, the sports, the, you know, football does not define you. Volleyball does not define you. You're defined by who God says you are and being his child. And that's your identity. That's the core of your identity and the spiritual definition. And, and you can walk away from this any day you want to. You can walk away and it's okay. I'll still love you. And not to, for them not to feel pressured. I think that's so important if, as your father, you know, with kids who love sport, but also encouraging them to be their best too. If they love it and, and they're fueled by it and it, it energizes them, you want to be the number one fan and supporter in that process for them to be the best they can be. So it's a challenging tension. I think that's why it's important to always be present and just be there in a support and, and let the coach, particularly when they get older, let, let the coach do the coaching. <laughs> yes. Don't try to be that parent coach on the sidelines and yell at the refs. And I mean, I just saw this the other day, you know, sectionals here in Indianapolis. And anyways, so that's a few thoughts there. More I could say, but I'll stop there. Hope that's helpful. Oh man. Yeah. I feel like that could be a whole nother podcast show, right? Indeed. I mean, I think, I think it's fast. I think it's fascinating. And I think too, it's like, you, we're, I feel like we, I've always said this, you know, we're walking wounded from our middle school years, you know, where we, yeah. we are growing up. It's, it's about parent approval. You know, some of my other shows, I've said this, you know, you are so seeking just your parents' approval, right? And then when you get to middle school, where literally it, that's the next biggest physical changes that are happening in, in the human being's life is during that middle school years when the brains, the synapses are starting to prune and another huge growth spurt, right, is happening. And so you start moving away from parent approval to peer approval, right? That's yeah. where peer pressure kicks in. And, yeah. you know, and you start living into these roles of how can I survive middle school? And am I the jock? Am I the comedian? Am I the geek? I just need to survive. And so I'm going to take the role on as the comedian and, and how as adults we still are living sometimes with it behind that facade. And so for some of these dads that you're seeing, how many of them are still living, you know, those roles of, of middle school and how much it's really about them and not their child. And, you know, when you look at both your kids, they're so different. You're like, they came out of the same person, but they're so different. If yeah. this child wants to be the best ballet person, great. Those are your gifts. And I'm, it's not about me. It's about you. Right. Yeah. And, so how can parents, but dads, since obviously that's our, our show, take their pride ego out of the equation and truly be a cheerleader for their child to say, no matter what you do, you're created for a purpose and you're loved. And I love you no matter what you do. Right. But that's a whole nother interesting conversation. You bring in your children, their athletic abilities kind of rattled some of my thinking a little bit. So I appreciate you sharing that. Joel, again, I can't thank you enough. This has been really a blessing to me. And some of the words that you said have just got my brain just popping. And, but last question, and this is a big one, you know, as far as more from a macro view, 30,000, I guess, view, but what do you see from your perspective is the biggest, greatest challenge facing dads today? I think the greatest challenge is making your children as a father, a priority. I think prioritizing the relationship with your child over vocation, over other hobbies, over things that you're involved with. It, it goes back to this theme of just, you know, uh, time is love, love is time. And 
however that fleshes out. And I think there's great tension with people. There's different scenarios of people's, of, of dads, of other, of dad's work that some are self-employed and have more freedom in their schedule. Mm-hmm. Some have, you know, travel a lot and have to for their job. And that's understandable. Some are, you know, pulled to an office, you know, nine to five. And, you know, of course, coming out of COVID for now for a couple of years and some of that, some of that was so shifted with people's workspace and, and place. But however that looks like for you is that you have to be intentional. And, and for some of, some of you, that may maybe mean just like if you were being intentional in your calendar and scheduling that time that you need to have with your kids. And when you're with them, they're with you that prioritize conversation with them and their world questions you're asking them. That's what I would say would be the biggest challenge. Yeah, that's good. I think, okay, some nuggets maybe to, to, to encourage dads out there is, hey, we get it, man. You know, you got, as far as providing the pressures of just paying the bills, all that kind of good stuff. So there's no judgment, but just to say, maybe really be intentional about carving out some time with that child or children specifically, right? To be present. And then also too, I would say, even in that time of being present, to be present. Meaning, yeah. put the cell phone away. Yeah, put the, put the screen time away. Be locked in. I'll never forget this. I was with a friend having dinner. We looked over at the table behind us, and a father and his two boys. The entire time, all of them were, uh, all of them were on their own cell phones. Not one time did they have a conversation with each other. Look up. I mean, my friend and I were just trying so hard to not say something. You know, because like you're never going to have that time back. Be present by being present, right? I think is is key. And then, you know, I think too, right? I think not to stereotype, but I think sometimes as guys, I mean, I'm looking at my son, men, boys, guys, we tend to connect and open up by doing something together, not by sitting in the room and go, Joel, tell me about your feelings. But it's the act of throwing a football. It's the act of fishing and you're by my side. Or you and I take a road trip which you and I have done. And oftentimes it's not, you know, you may say like, hey, Ross, how was your road trip with Joel? It was awesome. What'd y'all talk about? I mean, not a lot. Really? Yeah. But it's the, it's the power of being in the presence of you. It's about just being with you. And I th- I don't, so I don't know if that speaks, but I think for guys relating to guys, you know, we tend to open up and share when we're doing something. Does that resonate? Versus, I, but I don't know what it's like with a daughter and how you get your daughter to open up and share, or how do you, your, your son, you know, and I could be off. Yeah. Like, that's actually, no, my son, we, I would sit in the room and he would just share. Yeah. I mean, some of that is personality and whether extrovert, introvert, you know, girls usually have a lot more words. I mean, as far as time with my daughter, you know, she, she shares a lot. So she talks a lot. And so there's that, I, I think there's, there's both and, you know, that you plan things together to do and meals together and just sit mm-hmm. the house together that you're, that you're engaging, that you're, you know, there's a, there's an intentionality, mm. what you're saying, you know, and maybe another layer there to the, a challenge of facing dads is, is not knowing that you're not alone in the father thing and the dad thing. Mm-hmm. And, and we talked about this that we weren't recording and you made some good points there is to get connected with other, other dads and, and get connected with other dads with if you've gone through divorce, there's a lot of divorce recovery groups and support groups. And if you've, 
If you're a dad to uh, a new dad, get connected with other new dads. If you're a dad to college students, you know, I mean, get connected in that context where you can just share and support and encourage each other. Well, we're going to, yeah. And I think that's a great way to end it, Joel, is to encourage dads out there. I think oftentimes it takes you to take the initiative and to reach out because we're not meant to walk this journey alone at all. We have to realize that we're in this together. We need each other. And and, then again, with my podcast, it's just to reach out to those that have gone before me, number one, to connect with you, but also to number two, to say, man, give me some nuggets. What's it like? And am I going to make mistakes? Of course we all do. and, And we will continue to do that. But just to know that I've got some other brothers out there that can, I can lean on, they give me words of encouragement. And so just encourage guys out there, like Joel said, take the first step, take the initiative. If you've been a little estranged from your child, you take the, the initiative and do the first text or call and ask for forgiveness and just be open and vulnerable because, you know, again, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And so Joel, you are going to finish well. And what a blessing you are to your two kiddos and what a blessing you've been to me my whole life. You're very, very special to me and have gotten to go on some great adventures with you all over the world that I hold closely to me. A true brother. Um, and I don't, I don't get to tell you that uh, often, but how much I do love you and care for you. And it's an honor that you took the time to be vulnerable and to be on the show. Well, thanks, Ross. Appreciate you. And thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely, Joel. Hey, man. Well, thank you so much and hope to see you soon here in Texas over some brisket. Sounds good. Can't wait. All right, Joel. Thanks, brother. We hope you enjoy this latest episode of Bear Crawl with Dads. From our brother C.S. Lewis, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending.